right, and welcome to Fast Break Breakfast NBA Podcast. My name is Keith, here alone for a solo interview episode. Chuck and John will be back shortly. I think on Wednesday morning, we're going to record on Tuesday. It's the current plan after the Fast Break Breakfast Bowl. That's right. Grizzlies Heat play on Monday night, a game where whichever team loses should probably sell off all their good players. Things are dark. Talking to you right now on a Sunday late afternoon, the Grizzlies losing to the Thunder at one of our Grizzlies watch parties was probably one of the most disappointing, soul-crushing, nauseating losses. It stung It stung like I was a young 20-year-old watching sports, not a grizzled, hardened, stoic, late 30-year-old. Anyway, today's episode is all about the Golden State Warriors, a team doing much better. Before we get to the interview, just a reminder, if you want to support our program, the best way to do that is to become a Patreon supporter. You can do that at patreon.com slash fastbreakpodcast breakfast a very popular option is to join the slack chat for three dollars a month where we talk about basketball and whatever else around the clock where we make our fantasy basketball trades we have our fantasy leagues running over at fantrax.com which is a customizable fantasy website if you've ever wanted to add some weird rule or some weird scoring category to your sports league that wasn't supported at espn or one of the bigger sites well then fantrax.com that's a place you can do that But anyway, our Patreon supporters also get access to exclusive content. We have some bonus audio that goes up every couple weeks. I put up power rankings. Uh, We throw up some videos every now and then, like of Chuck and myself eating breakfast. And again, all that money goes directly to us. So if you like our show, you want to support us, you want us to keep going as we enter our fourth year of doing this, Go to patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. Once again, that's patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. My guest today is a contributor for Warriors World and one of the hosts of the Light Years podcast on the Leverage the Chat network and a return guest, Mr. Sam Isfandiari. Sam, how are you? I'm good, Keith. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. Have you uh, had breakfast? I have. It is what, 1.30. I should hope I've eaten by now. <laughs> well, I don't know how the uh, liberal elites live their lives, waking up whenever they see fit. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm an early riser. I'm too I'm too old for, for the college sleeping thing. <laughs> well, I do think the last time we talked, I talked to you at like 7 a.m. Uh, Pacific time. So Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> what did you have for breakfast? Um, today, so it's Sunday, so I, I decided to treat myself and got myself a nice breakfast burrito from this taqueria that I really like. Nice. So I'm just starting to come out of that coma, just to, just to be clear. And now I feel functional enough to talk. What do you, <laughs> what do you put on the breakfast burrito? I mean, on your normal day, it's just the basics, but let's, I, I got the works today. Just everything you could think of. There beans, potatoes, chorizo, cheese, pico. I, I, I basically had them pile it on and, you know, it was it was massive. That's incredible. That's awesome. I want to say uh, last time I talked to you, maybe six months ago, you might have had the same thing. But uh, that's okay. <laughs> I, if, 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 I'm, if I'm talking to you the days you're treating yourself, 
That's pretty good. Yeah, you got me in a better mood. <laughs> All right, so uh, you are a Warriors fan. You've been th- with them through the hard times, but now you guys are, are having the good times. So as someone like myself who maybe has lost interest in how good the Warriors are and finds themselves watching Lakers and Kings games instead of Warriors games, what, what have I been missing so far this season? I actually think this year has been more entertaining to the casual fan because the Warriors have kind of gone into that um, flip the switch mode that you see teams who are good for a prolonged period of time. So kind of like most LeBron James teams of the last five years where they're not, you know, they're going at maybe 60, 70 percent or something. And so they get into these weird games where they're not as good as their talent. So we've, we've been getting a lot of competitive ones. There was like the Philly one a couple weeks back where they went down 20 at halftime and came back. Um, they did that also uh, against uh, – who did they do that the against? The Pelicans still had a big comeback. The Pelicans, yeah. That was the one where Steph hurt his ankle at the very end in garbage time. Um, so I, I think they've actually been a little more compelling than, than last year. Last year they were just – it was like, you know, five to ten points a quarter and, you know, they're up by 15, 20 at half. And then by mid-third it's not even a game. Um, so at least from an entertainment standpoint, I, I don't know what I'm going to get from these guys on any given night. I kind of feel like, um, they are willfully saving themselves, but whoever they play gives them their best shot. So, uh, it turns out it, it turns, it turns competitive and it's kind of like, will the warriors wake up? What, what's really going to happen? Um, so that's, that's pretty much been the season in a nutshell. When you're watching these games and they get in these big first quarter holes, are you as a fan, like, are you, are you bothered, concerned, or are you just like, yeah, this is what I have to live through. Like, this is the tax I pay for how good my favorite team is. Honestly, um, yeah, it doesn't bother me. It kind of, it kind of makes it more exciting. I, uh, there's just a level of complacency they have to work through. So watching them get slapped in the face a little bit and then, um, it's almost like they're kind of, <laughs> they're playing with fire, seeing like how many points can we spot them yeah. and see what we can do, but it at least makes it uh, a little more entertaining, you know, watching them really kind of try to up the intensity and make up a 15 point margin or a 20 point margin, uh, is exciting. So <laughs> has it become regular enough where it's something that maybe sharp betters can take advantage of knowing that the Warriors are going to get in this big hole? Like, should we be betting the opponent first half lines, things like that? Um, I'd have to look at it, but I know they've covered, um, second half lines fairly consistently. Okay. They're the only team to have come back from being down 20 at halftime twice in one season. And they did that and that happened both in November. So, I mean, it's like they, they've already set that record. They might do it three more times this year for all I know. Well, <laughs> um, uh, they, play the, they play the Grizzlies a couple more times at least. They could, you know, they could probably spot the Grizzlies 20. They're, uh, they're pretty used to giving up those leads. So it might be more fun for the Warriors to be like, let's you see. Know, you know, the funny thing is every time they go to Memphis, like that's, that's a borderline house of horrors for the Warriors. They're, you know, Memphis plays better at home. And they play a style that kind of frustrates the Warriors. And I just feel like every we get at least one beatdown in Memphis a year. Yeah, David Fisdale's resume should say that I, I've blown out the Warriors twice. That's on his, <laughs> that's on his very, very short uh, resume. I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm kind of mad at the league. Uh, the Warriors only come to Memphis one time this year, and, and that already happened. So 
the uh, yeah, I don't feel like the Warriors really care about playing or trying when they come through Memphis. All right, so one thing about this team, because I'm not following them that closely, that I can't figure out, what is the pattern of who starts at center or who plays? Like, which of the big men are actually going to play any given night? Um, so it's kind of universal basic minutes at the center position. Everyone gets to go. <laughs> um, the, the, there is a pretty basic pattern, which is Zaza starts every game and they like to have him start the halves because, um, if nothing else, like at least half the teams in the West have some oversized brutish center, you know, everything from Marcus all boogie cousins. Um, you just go down the list and most of their other centers are, either JaVale, so very skinny and terrible on defense, or really just power forwards who play center. So they like to have Zaza kind of essentially wear the guy down and get the opening minutes. He also tends to just play really well with the starters. He's got kind of a, uh, he knows his spot. There'll, there'll be some missed layups in there, but you know, he, he, he knows how to play defense with them. And then, um, uh, Kerr loves to use David West as the guy who opens the second and the fourth quarter kind of anchors that unit. Um, and that's been really successful for them. I use him as a passer, mid range shooter, uh, et cetera. And then everyone else it's, there's no rhyme or reason to it. He'll find minutes for Jordan bell, uh, Kayvon Looney, JaVale McGee. Um, if one of them is kind of going well, he'll, he'll go back to them more often, but, it's it's really mix and match and kind of uh, you know kind of who's feeling at that point or what mood Kerr's in at that point. Yeah, I think a game recently Zaza got to start and played four minutes, and I was like, what well, like what's what's going on there? And oh, then... he got that that was a, that was an injury. Okay, injury. He, um, he yeah, it was he, he sat the following game out, but he had an issue with his shoulder, so he came out four minutes into it. But you can kind of if Zaza's healthy, you could count on him getting six minutes, the beginning of the first six minutes, beginning of the third, and then like three to five minutes sprinkled in situationally on top of that. And then Jordan Bell, I see on basketball references numbers, he, he leads the team in offensive and defensive rating. He's, he's a plus he, 32 per hundred possessions. He has been so good. He's the player. The fan base is constantly pining to play more, you know, exciting rookie by far the best athlete on the team. So, um, the half the highlight dunks they've had this season have been him actually, maybe all of them to be honest. Um, but he is, I mean, he's a power forward by nature. He's six, eight, probably 225, 230 pounds. He has a little, he's long and he can really get up and block shots. But, um, you know, in the Warriors system, he tends to play center and, uh, it's hard to put a guy like that in to start games, for example. So Kerr really likes to bring him off the bench. And I think that also makes him look better. Um, he goes against second units and he's got this, uh, unreal athleticism and he's a really good defender. So it just kind of pops off the screen when he comes in, let's say in the middle of the second quarter. Before the Steph Curry injury that happened, um, against the Pelicans, I was starting to see some of these articles and maybe it was just people digging for content. Some of these articles that like the Warriors numbers are actually better, with Curry and not Durant, and maybe the Warriors overall were a better team without Kevin Durant. Did you put any stock to that, or was that just uh, early season? Let's try to get some clicks. Oh, you got to get the clicks. Got to get the um, clicks. The, there's no – I will say, when one of them sits out, they they look um, 
they they look a little more organized. They know what they want to do. Like these last couple games, we've had no staff. And so they just, you know, it, it's clear KD is the first option. They go through the offense, but the ball inevitably finds its way back to Durant anytime, uh, you know, it's a situation late in the clock or they need a basket or just, you know, in general, he's the best player on the team in these situations. Um, and so it just looks a little uh, easier. The same thing can be said when KD sits and Steph presumes that role. They look like the 14, 15 or 15, 16 Warriors where, you know, uh, everything goes through Steph when they both play together. Uh, it's it's not that it's worse because they're ultimately a better team, but it's just one other player you have to constantly get the ball to. So sometimes they can all they can fall out of rhythm. You'll see Steph hit two threes in a row and then knock at the ball four possessions in a row because it'll go to KD, then it'll go to Clay, and all of a sudden you're like, you know, why aren't they giving Steph back the ball? Whereas in the days without KD, if Steph started feeling it, he was he was getting the ball the next 10, 11, basically he was getting the ball every possession until the defense you know, triple-teamed him and made him make an adjustment. So because of that, now that Steph's out again, it looks like maybe this actually focused the Warriors for a little bit. They pulled off that 6-0 and road trip. Uh, Durant's looking incredible. And one thing that's catching my eye is how well Durant is performing on defense. He's always been a good defensive player. Now he's second in the NBA in blocks per game. Uh, he, he gets tons of steals. He's really a force out there, a great help side defender. And so I started thinking, you know, Draymond is always in the conversation for defensive player of the year. But is it possible that Kevin Durant is a more impactful defensive player than Draymond? Uh, it's possible. I mean, Draymond's still kind of the quarterback of the defense. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just no way around it. Draymond's the one calling everything out. But Katie might be the better defensive talent. I mean, he just has physical gifts that Draymond doesn't have, right? Um, and he's really dug in. He fits their scheme perfectly. I mean, if you want to kind of switch everything and play positionless. Uh, it's hard to come up with a better, you know, uh, defensive player just physically than, than Kevin Durant. You know, it's the same thing as kind of like Giannis or even LeBron when he feels like, it. you know, it's like those guys are made to play that type of basketball. Um, so, um, that's been part of it. And, uh, I don't know. It's hard for me to say because I, I still feel like Draymond being the one who essentially calls everything out ultimately has a little more value and all the metrics basically show what they're doing defensively, um, is a wash. Like they're both contesting the same amount of shots. Uh, Katie's getting a few more blocks, but they're ultimately like affecting, um, shooters at the rim and at the three point line, more or less at the same rate. So, um, yeah, I don't know, but Katie's been on another level defensively. How would Draymond Green take it if Kevin Durant won a defensive player of the year over him? I don't know that he would really care. Um, okay. I think the fact that he got his defensive player of the year, that's that's a big thing. Once he checked it off the list, yeah. he's like, you know, I people recognize how good I am. I've been on the all-defensive team three years in a row. He'll probably be on it again this year. He knows, you know, he's probably going to, make that team a handful of other times. And he got the recognition as being the best defender in the league on some level. I'm sure he'd want it over KD, but I don't think, I think it would have bothered him if KD got it last year, 
<laughs> over him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, dude, what do I have to do to get right. recognized? <laughs> I know, uh, I know Tony Allen was uh, notoriously upset that Mark Gasol won a Demons of Player of the Year. <laughs> he didn't think that, that that was quite fair. Um, I, I, I saw you get a little bit going on Twitter about a who's the better two-way player, Durant or Kawhi Leonard. Where did you come down on that? You, you were getting some, uh, I guess, some grief from the Spurs fans. Well, yes. I mean, that's to be expected anytime you you make a strong statement regarding any passionate fan base's best player, right? Um but I do well the whole the whole concept of two way player is funny to me because people talk away about two way player and then almost ignore the offensive part of it. It's like these are the best defenders, uh, players known for defense who happen to score twenty points a game is almost what it means. Uh-huh, Whereas like yeah. If if you really want to talk true to a player, you have to talk about their impact on both sides of the ball. So I can readily acknowledge Kawhi is the best perimeter defender in the game today. Um, I'm assuming he's going to come back from his injury and be the same player he's been the last three years, right? Right. Um, I don't see any argument for him being a better or for KD being a better perimeter defender than him. But KD now does so many other things on defense, the rim protection, the help side stuff that he's playing elite defense in his own right. And then on the offensive side, I mean, Kawhi's again, a brilliant offensive player, but like Durant might be one of the five or six best offensive players of all time. So when you, when you factor it in, he's playing Durant's playing first team, all defense level defense now. And I, his offense goes without saying he's like a, you know, generationally great. I don't know how you can not say that guy's a better two way player, but you know, uh, people t- tend to think, you know, because he wasn't a great defender five years ago that he can, nev- he, you know, he, he hasn't changed that. So that's kind of my contention with that whole statement. I get too worked up over what people mean as well by two way player. Yeah. Like it's just such an arbitrary thing that just, I think means something different to every person. Cause my, my right. take is, well, like, are we adding up both sides? Like, right. you know, like who's the better two way player, uh, like Steph Curry or, I don't know. Chris Paul. Like Chris right? Paul. You're, you're like, Chris well, yeah, Paul's Chris... clearly a better defender than right. him. But... but Steph Curry's the better two-way player to me because he's just so much better at offense that I, I, I kind of add him together or, so, or something. Like, I'm not... Exactly. I'm it's not like even... he plays just enough defense to make the margin on the other side so much bigger that you have to go with it, right? Right. Or, or Whereas even... I feel like people when they say two-way player what they're really saying is these guys aren't tony allen on offense and then we're going to rate them in terms of their defense right again bringing it back to the grizzlies when mike conley was healthy <laughs> i feel like people would say something like like well mike conley's a better two-way player than than steph curry i'm like well that's a really weird thing you've worked up in your brain because steph curry is so much better at offense that it doesn't really matter you know like like Anyway, right. Are you, is your argument that Grizzlies would be worse if they had Steph Curry <laughs> instead of Mike Conley? Because I don't see any evidence to that being the case. Yeah. Um, so one thing I did see from the Warriors this year was Sean Livingston got tangled up with referee Courtney Kirkland. So was Sean Livingston's one game suspension fair or should he have been locked up? Uh, I mean, I don't really care. One game's fine. He did. That was weird because Kirkland kind of stepped up to him and Kirkland got a week suspension for that too. Cause a ref's not supposed to get in a player's face like that. Right. And that's um, a, a W E E K suspension, not a W E A K suspension. 
Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and but but Sean Livingston, um, he touched a ref. You touch a ref, you're going to get a game. I don't think it's a big deal. I would probably be upset about it if it happened in the playoffs. The only thing I've noticed is um, th- there's just been a lot of ejections this year. Yeah, uh, feels like and um, and well, the Warriors are leading the league in ejections, so they have their own issue going on there. But I mean, like you saw LeBron ejected. You just see a lot of guys like Sean Livingston's not a confrontational guy. <laughs> He's not, you know, if it was Draymond, I'd be like, well, it's just, you know, that's just the price you pay for having Draymond. <laughs> <laughs> if it was Draymond, but, he would have been locked up. There's no, yes, no exactly. question there. Um, so I don't know that I'm a little concerned about the officiating because if this early season trend continues in the playoffs, I can just see a scenario where like, uh, you know, Chris Paul gets into it with a ref and gets himself ejected from a playoff game against the Spurs and the Rockets lose it or, you know, something, something where the refs being a little overzealous with the whistle ends up affecting a playoff outcome, which I don't think anyone wants. Yeah, I agree. Um, so speaking of Chris Paul and the Rockets, they are right now, you know, dominating everyone they play. They've put together one of the best months in NBA history in November. They're, uh, have a historic, a warriors esque, margin of victory so far on the season. What level of concern do you have as a Warriors fan right now as your team kind of coasts through the regular season and you see the Rockets ramping up to becoming like a really, I don't know, potent, frightening offense and defensive team? I mean, this is going to sound arrogant, but like zero. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm legitimately more, uh, more scared of a healthy Spurs team. I oh, guess. Okay. Um, I just, I've seen this, the song and dance from the Rockets and D'Antoni teams. They don't make adjustments. They play their own way. Their own way just rips off wins through the regular season. And the way they want to play kind of plays into the Warriors hands. I think to beat the Warriors, you kind of have to zig when they zag, you know, you want to slow it down. You want to stop the clock a bunch. You want to do kind of the stuff that the Grizzlies typically do or, um, you know, Boston or the Spurs are doing or the, you, something to that effect where you're taking them out of their rhythm. And I just don't see the scenario where uh, Harden and Chris Paul outshoot Durant and Curry over seven games. It could happen, I guess. It could. But I just it, – it, it feels like they play into the Warriors' hands. And if they end up playing in the playoffs, they're going to get hot and absolutely blow the Warriors out one game where they just cannot miss – and beyond that, I, the Warriors should be able to handle it because they can do all that same stuff plus a, a bunch of other things on defense. Yeah, I think it'll be really interesting to see what round it comes in in the playoffs because my personal opinion of the Warriors is, you know, they're going to coast the whole regular season and then they, mm-hmm. use, they use the playoffs to kind of warm up. So, like, you know, the first round they're going to find their footing second round, find their footing. And like, if they play the rockets in the second round, I feel like that could be as an NBA fan, that might be more interesting because I think the, the rockets will be more in gear. But again, that's just my own made up theory, I guess for all that. I'd agree with you, but I don't see a scenario where they play in the second round. Cause I don't see either. Yeah. Uh, one, of, one of them are going to get the, the, the number one seed. Uh, and it might be Houston. And I don't see a scenario where, you know, either team falls to four. So I I do kind of think they're going to be stuck on either sides of the bracket. And the real thing is going to be um, you want the one because having to play the Spurs in the second round is just going to suck. No one wants to do that. So (laughs) well, well, so with with the Steph injury and with the team, again, admittedly coasting, at least through first halves, 
Are you concerned at least about not having home court advantage, about possibly losing ground to the Rockets or the Celtics if, if that comes to the finals? Like, are, are you worried about not having home court advantage for a round in the playoffs? Not really, because they've won two titles, one with this iteration of the team, and they've been to the finals three years in a row. Um, I would be more worried about it if they were a younger team who needed home court more. But I haven't necessarily seen anything from this this team that suggests um, that's going to make the biggest difference to them. I, it, they they want to get the one seed because it's just going to be an easier route to the finals. Um, and, you know, all it takes is one ankle roll or something like that to profoundly change everything. Um, but I don't think the home court itself is uh, that big a deal. They can go into Houston and win. Um, they don't need, they don't need extra games at Oracle. I mean, it'd be nice, but they don't need it. Yeah. All right. So now I'm, I'm going to bounce around with a few quick topics. Uh, some of these are taken from headlines from around the Warriors blogosphere. Sure. Uh, is Joe Lacob or Joe Lacob, as I like to call him, is he, <laughs> is he primarily a businessman or a competitor? Ooh. Mm. Uh, I mean, I I'll don't know. <laughs> okay. I, was like, I, was like, I, I think <laughs> it's easy. I think it's easy to be both when your team makes it, it's very hard. I mean, at some point the luxury tax is going to put them in the red, but at this point they're in the tax and they're still generating large profits. So I don't think that he's been, he's sat in a situation where it's really like I pay and I lose my, you know, it's it's like uh -huh. if I compete, I lose money. Uh, if I want to make money, I have to lose talent. He hasn't really been put in that situation, so I don't know. Okay. But based on everything I know about him, he he's he he wants to win. <laughs> yeah. When I when I saw the headline, I was just thinking just in life. I didn't even think about basketball, but uh, I guess it does make right. more it does make more sense in a basketball context. All right. How about will Steph Curry's injury reveal his true value? Mm, no, I mean, cause the, uh, Warriors haven't <laughs> lost since he got hurt. So that's, that's not great. Yeah, they're two, they're two and oh without him. Um, I'm assuming Steph's going to miss another five games just looking at their schedule. Um, I think they have, they have four games before he hits the two week mark when they're going to reevaluate. So, uh, realistically, we'll, you know, we'll have like six, seven games of evidence. I don't think that tells us anything. Um, I, the only thing I can tell you from watching them, like they don't look like the warriors without Steph. aesthetically. It's not the same team. They're a little more deliberate, a little more, um, I, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. It's, it's just, it doesn't have that. Like Steph crosses half court and like four defenders run at him and like insanity ensues feel with KD. Um, doesn't mean they're not as good though. Yeah. All right. Um, what are the warriors goals for this season? Stay healthy. Just stay healthy. I think I, I think th the only thing that matters to them is getting into the playoffs fully healthy. The way they do the rotations, the way they rest anyone who has like a hangnail, um, yeah. suggests that they're um, they're not concerned with seventy wins or any sort of benchmark. Um, they want to make sure guys are healthy. Uh, Steph might have, if this is a playoff, Steph is probably already playing. He might have had to sit one game because of swelling, for example, but there's just no incentive to rush him and re aggravate an injury right now. Right. I'm not, I'm not sure he could shake Kevin Love in his current state. 
Um, <laughs> Love speak- well. <laughs> and, uh, and this is my own. Uh, is Steph Curry's shooting on a downward slope? Because right now he's only shooting a uh, Jason Richardson-esque 38% from three. Ah, uh, no. He's as long as as long as teams guard him like he's the unanimous MVP, uh, it's all good for me. Um, you know what's interesting to me? He shoots a higher percentage when KD's not in the game. It's it, and it, it is totally uh, what I was saying with rhythm. Um, there's a game that KD sat a month ago um, against the Pelicans in Oracle, and Steph opened the game one for ten, and he could not buy anything. Uh, but KD was out of the game, so he just kept, you know, they kept getting the ball to him because he's clearly the number one option and the best player on the team. And he ended the game something like 10 for 24, and he started the game, let's say, it, it, you know, he's like 0 of 6 on his first threes, and he made five of his next six or something like that. So he was able to shoot himself out of it. These days, when he's playing with KD, if he's just not feeling it, or even if he is feeling it, there isn't the um, amplification where they just continually go back to him. So you see him end a lot of nights, like three for eight from three, which is 38%. When if KD wasn't in there, he'd probably take four more shots and it all, you know, average out to 42 or 45% or something. Mm. All right. Um, finally, uh, one of the internet games that a lot of us, uh, sports podcasters and bloggers are doing is, can you name any five man unit of, any non-Warriors that you would think could beat the Warriors? You're saying like not with not fake trades. Or I'm saying like not that. fake trades, not salary cap. Just pick five players who aren't on the Warriors right now that you think would beat the Warriors in a in a series. So I can just make up a team. Yeah. Okay. Um, Anthony Davis, LeBron James. Um, let's give me let's give me Kyrie Irving. Let's give me Danny Green and oh. who's another who's another three and D player. Um, Kawhi, why not? Kawhi. So you, <laughs> I mean, I'm you, pretty sure that's gonna that's gonna beat him. But if you want me to like make it less, uh, you know, four four superstars and apparently Danny Green, but <laughs> I don't know why I threw him in there. But yeah, I like. I it. think I think um, the the key to beating them is come match their versatility, but have more size. And so like Anthony Davis is one of those guys who has the versatility to play with the warriors, but he's never really been on a team where he has the requisite surrounding talent. Right. So, and then LeBron James obviously can, you know, he, he matches that versatility. Plus he has 40 pounds on everyone on the warriors. Um, so that would be my, um, my way to beat them. I wonder if it'd be too damaging just to sub in on Ted Akumpo for Danny Green. Like Kawhi, could he play enough two? I don't know. <laughs> that lineup might be too awkward. But that's good. That's a good try. Well, all right, Sam. Uh, thanks for coming on the show again. Uh, tell people about your uh, podcast, Light Years, and the Leverage the Chat Network. Okay, Leverage the Chat is a new pod network. Uh, we have a series of of pods, not all basketball. There's now a Top Chef one. Um, there's, there's all sorts of various topics, political, culture, music, uh, whatever you may be into and light years is on that network. And, um, we, we do primarily warriors focused, but we try to look at the NBA as a whole. You can find us on iTunes, uh, just search light years or leverage the chat. 
Uh, and yeah, we put out episodes once a week, uh, usually on Tuesday or Wednesday. I'll usually advertise when we're going to post it. And uh, we have we have different guests on every week uh, and delve into topics pertaining to the NBA. Nice. All right. If you're investing, what do you got? San Francisco real estate or Bitcoin? Oh, San Francisco real estate. I'll say it's, um, it's pretty late to buy into either, but yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> being as I live in San Francisco, I know it better. Bitcoin. I'm still kind of, I'm like everyone else, like reading up on it. Not really sure. I fully understand what's going on. <laughs> um, so, uh, I'm going to stick with the real estate because this city has no land, has nowhere to build and an excess amount of people continue to want to move here. <laughs> That's perfect. All right. Thanks, man. Uh, I will talk to you soon. Best of luck for the Warriors. Hopefully they'll face LeBron and Marcus Gasol in the finals. Ooh, that would actually be a very difficult matchup <laughs> for the Warriors. So, um, yeah, maybe it'll happen. Uh, thanks for having me on, Keith. All right. See you, Sam. All right. Thanks to Sam for coming on. Always a good guest. Always very confident in his Warriors. You can follow him on Twitter at Sam Esfandiari, all one word. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Fast Break Break. If you want to support our program, you can do that at patreon.com slash fast break breakfast. All right, you guys are the best. Thanks for listening. And remember, breakfast is the most important thing. Yeah, never apologize for being TNG. Fast break, break, man. You understand?